Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 144 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to answer the question, is running bad for your knees? Hey runners and welcome to episode 144. My name is Letty, I'm your host and I'm here with my co-host Ryan. So today we're going to talk about the most controversial and most commonly asked questions by new runners or family members of runners. And that question is, is running bad for your knees? Or they'll say, you need to stop running because you're going to wear out your knees. Exactly. And just a little disclaimer, I'm not going to lie. As runners ourselves, we want to tell everybody in the world how great running is physically and mentally. But we're going to try to stay objective for this one. And I'm going to also reintroduce my co-host, Ryan, for this because Ryan is a musculoskeletal radiologist with about 13 years of experience. Am I that old? <laughs> You're over 13. 13 years of looking at joints. So he does this for a living. So his input is, uh, you know, pretty credible for this episode as well. You've looked at a tremendous amount of people, haven't you? Do see a lot of stuff, yes. I can give some insight into what I see every day. That's awesome. So... First, let's start off with what inspired this question. You and I, we were at this event a couple of weeks ago. We were seated at a table where somebody proclaimed that running is bad for your knees. And he tried to make his points by using this analogy saying that your joints are like a car tire. The more you use it, the more you wear it down, which, you know, on its face kind of makes sense a little bit. But then my comeback was that it does not make sense because we're not cars and a car does not have cells that regenerate themselves. And yeah, I guess that's kind of what inspired this episode. Yeah, and it was kind of a common misconception, I think, from the past where a lot of doctors would tell their patients that, you know, you can't keep running like that because you're going to wear out your knees and you're going to need replacements or so, you know, earlier on in life. And I think that was the thought at the time. Um, but the more we learn about it, it seems to not be the case. Like with a lot of things, it's much more complicated than that. Exactly. So in this episode, we're going to give you the research that you need to come to your own conclusion. We're going to tell you our conclusion. And like I said, we're going to try to keep this objective. If you go to the show notes, I'm going to actually link the studies that we are mentioning as we go through this. We're also going to add our own opinions in a bit too. But the opinions are based on the stuff that we've learned that is backed by research, but take the opinions with a grain of salt. Exactly. And I'm going to give you a second disclaimer for this. Too much of something is never good, right? You can die of drinking too much water. So when we are talking about running, we're not talking about running uh, people that run huge amounts of miles or anything like that. We're not talking about people that ramp up their mileage way too quickly, that don't rest enough between runs, that run too many miles before their muscles and bones and joints and cartilage are ready. Uh, because obviously all that stuff can increase your risk of injury. We're just talking about the recreational runner that you and me like to run every day, like to train for marathon, marathons, etc. So one of the studies actually, you know, alludes to that in the sense that it says, you know, that runners that are 
um, of elite or ex-elite status can actually have more osteoarthrosis than people that are just sitting at home doing nothing. Um, but that same study also showed that runners that were recreational or amateur runners had significantly less osteoarthrosis than the people that were just sitting at home doing nothing. The lead athletes are also, you know, doing it for a career. So they sometimes will run through injuries or minor injuries and maybe not take the uh, appropriate treatment or rest periods that you might do as a recreational runner. Yeah. So again, there's a big difference between the everyday runner and the elite athlete that puts just how many miles do elite athletes run? They run more than a hundred miles. Whereas the regular person here that has a job, maybe if they ramp it up amongst my friends, I can maybe talk about a couple that run up to 80 miles, but not more than that, just because it's not really plausible with everything else that is going on in life. And it seems based on, you know, if you want in injury prevention or knee longevity, that maybe that's actually a good thing. All right, so let's hop into this. I have a couple of fun facts for you. Did you know that with each pound of body weight, your knee absorbs about a pound and a half of stress as you walk? And that jumps nearly to four pounds when you run. So I think that's where this misconception comes from, that the knee does have to absorb a tremendous amount of shock with each step that you take. And because of that, people think about, oh, you know, you're wearing down your cartilage. That is a fun fact, Liddy. Um, do you know why? No. So it's actually like an acceleration or a deceleration in that case, you know, because you're, when you're running, you're going at the ground faster. And so your weight's going at the ground faster. So in order to stop that momentum, it takes more force and that gets put into your joints. Interesting. And you have a fun fact too. Um, and we are talking knees, but like realistically, the major weight bearing joints are, you know, in your foot your ankle, your knee, and your hip, and even your spine. And so all of it's kind of related, but like a knee is a good, a good one because a lot of people end up having knee pain or knee arthritis, so it's a good one to focus on. But it could be any of the joints, really. Huh, that's interesting. And people never ask about your ankles or your hips. Nobody ever says, hey, did you think, do you think that running is bad for your hips? So I wonder why people only ask about the knee. So... It's related to a radiologist's experience here. It's interesting that, you know, and seeing all these joints, and I read joint MRIs all the time, all the joints, just because of the anatomy of them or because of the structure of them, certain things go wrong and certain things don't. And it's interesting because it's like, it's it's very consistent over it. I mean, there's obviously exceptions where some people injure some different parts, but like, the meniscus, certain things, and there's certain spots that it actually tears in commonly, more common than other places. Certain ligaments get damaged. And it's 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 interesting how, you know, that it happens in very specific spots. It's like in each one slightly different. So then the for to to answer your question, you know, the ankle just probably has a little bit more support overall as a joint that it doesn't necessarily get as injured as and maybe isn't that doesn't have as much risk to being osteoarthritic compared to like the knee. Some people still get osteoarthritis in the ankle for sure, but maybe for whatever reason, just not as at risk for it as other joints. That's cool. 
All right, so that's where the whole knee myth comes from. And I'm going to make a statement that I got from a publication by the Harvard School of Medicine. And it says that medical research tends to show that running has a protective effect against arthritis. Studies of large numbers of men show that recreational runners have lower risk of hip and knee arthritis. This effect is partly explained by the lower body weight of these men, other studies that measure knee cartilage suggest that running may stimulate cartilage to grow and not wear out. So that kind of goes with what we were trying to explain to the guy that was telling us that, you know, running runners, that knees are like a tire. That wear out. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read, I've read different things and I've had, I've actually done research in like cartilage and stuff back in, um, before medical school? I think it was before medical school. Anyway, so I did research with cartilage too in Tampa, Florida, which was kind of interesting. But one of the thoughts was, is like, so cartilage itself doesn't have a lot of blood flow or a lot of vessels in it, which does have a disadvantage when it's trying to heal. Um, and also to get nutrients, it needs to find some other ways to get nutrients. So one of the thoughts was, is that a lot of the nutrients come from all the fluid in your joint, which there isn't a lot, but there's a tiny bit, even if you're not injured. And by running and by compressing the cartilage, it helps get those nutrients that the cartilage needs to grow into the cartilage. And I think I've read that somewhere too. I don't know. Again, this is just from my loose knowledge of it. So don't quote me on anything like you do your own research. But like as the cartilage is being compressed, it can pull in or absorb some of the nutrients that it needs in the knee. And that kind of goes along with that protective effect or the fact that you're actually running and compressing these joints helps like give them the nutrients that they need. That's super interesting. So is that basically how all of our joints work? I mean, the cartilage, I think the cartilage all works very similar. Yes. And then, like I said before, or alluded to before, it's like all the joints are, are different structures and they are, like there's ball joints and other types of like facet joints and other things like that. They're just different shapes. And some of them have more support than others and some of them are more prone to injury than others. And we end up doing hip and knee replacements a lot just because those are the joints that bear a lot of weight and tend to get injured, I guess, over time. And there was another observation kind of talking about weight right now. Um, that you and I've also read online by other physicians say that worse than anything for your joints is being overweight. Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, again, if you look at the research, it seems to show it. But also speaking with my experience looking at MRIs, I mean, 40, 50 MRIs a day almost sometimes. But I see that if someone has, if someone is overweight, I can almost always find arthritis or osteoarthrosis in the knee and the hip or somewhere in that area. It's very, seems, it seems to correlate. That, that's not like scientific, but it seems to correlate a lot. Um, also, there's genetic factors too. Like, unfortunately, you might have gotten genes that predispose you to osteoarthrosis from your parents, in which case you're probably going to get it too. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's just because of structural differences. You know, sometimes if the shape of the joints is slightly different, it might be more prone to injury and then developing 
you know, osteoarthrosis over time, or there's other theories about osteoarthrosis that there's like, you know, inflammation or, you know, other things which go along with potential overweight too, that contribute to this formation of osteoarthrosis. Yeah. So again, running might come in even a little bit helpful because obviously it's good for weight management. So one thing people complain about sometimes is a study will say things are good for you and then another study will come out saying it's bad for you. Um, part of that is because, you know, the studies are being interpreted to the best of their ability or the researcher or the person doing its ability, but they might not have all the information, so they might interpret it wrong. The nice thing about a lot of these studies is the actual numbers or what is happening, not the causation or effect, is is pretty legitimate usually. So like, for instance, if you say you're following a bunch of people, the ones that are running seem to have less osteoarthrosis. So that's usually a true fact because it was observed and if they do it over a number of people, it's it's legitimate. They can then theorize why which was I was partially doing too with the compression of the cartilage and other stuff like that. That's a theory. Um, but regardless, the relationship is there. And so I say that too because there are multiple factors. Like maybe weight is potentially a bigger determining factor for osteoarthrosis than anything else. And then the runners tend to be skinnier. And because they're skinnier, that's why they have less osteoarthrosis. I mean, there could be a number of factors. Maybe runners tend to take care of their health better and they might be eating better. And because they're eating better, they have less osteoarthrosis. So there could be lots of different confounding factors that we don't know. But usually the relationship that's observed over large groups of people is true. And so, and then it also helps, if you understand that, that also helps explain why, for instance, someone will say, drinking red wine is good for you, and then later they find out drinking red wine is not good for you. Is they made an observation that the group of people that were drinking red wine had less cardiovascular disease, but their theory that the wine was causing it was maybe incorrect. Interesting. Um, well, I mean, I guess on that note, I have a couple of those large number studies for you. So I have a study by Edward Allen Torn, um, and I'm going to link it in our show notes. So this study followed a group of long-distance runners as well as non-runners in a control group for 18 years. So throughout a series of x-rays over nearly two decades, researchers monitored for any presence of osteoarthritis in the knees. The results showed that running among healthy older adults was not associated with more prevalent osteoarthritis. In fact, at the end of the study, 20% of the runners showed signs of osteoarthritis compared to the 32% of the non-runners. There's another interesting fact that relates to what you're saying in that um, they actually said that even though some of the runners had shown signs of osteoarthrosis, that the amount of pain that they had or other stuff was less. So that even strengthens that relationship, you know, whereas if you run, you only have a 20% chance of getting osteoarthrosis compared to 30%. But even if you're in that 20% group, your chance of actually having pain and symptoms from it is less. Because you've put you because <laughs> you put yourself through hell running all these marathons. Maybe that's it. Maybe your pain tolerance. That's that's one of those things that you don't know. 
you don't know the reason. You know that the information is probably true. You don't know the reason. And you're theorizing is the reason. Maybe you put yourself through a bunch of training marathons and you've been in pain a lot. And so you're like, yeah, it's nothing. It's not your association, you know, or your level of pain threshold is higher potentially. I mean, that, that could be the reason even. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So I have another one like that. There is a orthopedic surgeon and research professor at the University College of London, Alistair Hart, who used to worry about his own knees after he finished his first marathon. He was limping afterwards. So he decided that he should probably look more into this a little bit more deeply. And he did a study in 2019 where he and his orthopedic colleagues recruited 82 middle-aged first-time racers who had signed up for the 2017 London Marathon. Very few of those runners had done any previous running nor felt any knee pain and the researchers scanned the runner's knees before they began a structured four months training program and again two weeks uh, after they completed the marathon. So interestingly enough, although none of the runners reported knee problems at the start, most of the first scans showed signs of incipient joint injuries, including cartilage tears and bone marrow lesions, any of which could be early steps towards arthritis. However, once they started training, it seemed like this damage had been partially reversed by well, training and racing. Two weeks after their first marathon, most runners' existing bone marrow lesions had shrunk. And then on top of that, some of the runners showed now new symptoms of slight damage in the bones and cartilage around their kneecaps, um, a part of the joint that absorbs much more of the pounding during running. And in order to follow up with that, you know, to to really ask themselves the question, did running harm people's knees? The scientists, surgeons helped settle that concern by another follow-up study where they scanned the runner's knees again six months after the race. And most of them, even though they still ran, they didn't have any damage. They showed that Denny's were healthier now than in the weeks right after the marathon. So uh, I want to know what scans they did because I'm a radiologist. <laughs> I mean, if they're looking at cartilage injuries, they have to have been doing an MRI, I would imagine. Yeah. But <laughs> you can probably find the MRI so online. I think, um, I think that, that, that goes to like, I think we've talked about it in the past somewhere way back when, but, um, the body is just very dynamic. You know, people think that, your bones are basically your bones and that's, they just, that's all it is. But in reality, your, your bones are your source of calcium for your body, which your body and your muscles and everything else needs calcium. So they're constantly being like reabsorbed and regenerated and stuff. Just, we just don't notice it. Um, and I think the same thing goes for a lot of parts of your body probably that, you know, it's the cells and stuff. In a way, it's like use it or lose it type of thing. You know, like they need to be, they need to be used. And I think, um, that may be, is why doing stuff with your knees, doing stuff with your cartilage can sometimes speed up repair and make it better. Yeah. So what about the people that do have arthritis? Should they run or should they not run? Actually, you know, the, from what I've seen, it, it it can sometimes help with knee pain. I mean, I think, um, you know, so I, I think they should try. Honestly, like if my opinion would probably be just to try and see if it, give it some, give it a try and see if it helps. I know that there's been some studies that, you know, in, instead of um, if you've had arthritis, or you actually have osteoarthritis of the knee that that running can provide some benefit, actually, even if you already have some damage. Yeah. And uh, since I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to tell you that I read kind of things along the same line that 
it's important to strengthen your muscles and run, run on maybe softer surfaces, a track or flat, something smooth dirt trail and be easy on your body. But it's definitely important to keep up the uh, activity, the running. Yeah, that being said, like, and what I said, too, is like, try, give it a try, you know, it might be worthwhile. Obviously, everyone's different. You know, some people, it's just not gonna, not gonna work. Um, some people are just genetically prone to, to getting a lot of degenerative change, and it, it might not work for them. I've said in the past, too, like, if you've had some of these things don't apply if you've had an injury or something like if you had a major injury to a joint then it just it just changes the anatomy of the joint and it could potentially be making anything worse you know by by running on it so talk to your doctor but but it's good to see some of the data showing that it could potentially be beneficial and instead of thinking we're running our knees out and you know having a finite time period we're actually maybe helping ourselves which is kind of cool exactly so why don't we take and summarize in our own opinion like the stuff we talked about today um so it's opinion find the facts for yourself to me the take-home is like and what i kind of try to tell people or you is like gathering all this information that running is good for you. I think, and I've told you this before, that pain should be your guide in a lot of cases. Um, you know, if something hurts, then it's your body telling you that you probably shouldn't do it. And so I think that's a good you know, kind of limiting factor of where you need to go. I think that it seems that exercise does not contribute to making your knees get destroyed so if you enjoy running you shouldn't run because it's probably good for you if you run too much like really extremely high amounts maybe you are hurting your knees again but i think for the vast majority of the people they'll never reach that really high elite part where they're potentially causing more damage yeah i like that summary so what about you what how do you take so my non-physician opinion agrees 100% with <laughs> even, I mean, to me, sometimes even if whatever you do has a bad outcome, sometimes I just weigh the, the, the benefit and I will still do what I feel like will make my life better. That sounds really bad, but I feel like you only have one life. You should do what makes you happy. So basically what you're saying is that even if your knees would eventually have led to destruction and joint replacements, that the happiness of running would have been worth it. Yeah, because I feel like otherwise I'm putting myself in a position where I can't do it at all, right? I knew people in LA that I was friends with. They lived in Pasadena and they would never come out to the beach because they were afraid of the sun. They would always hide behind visors and everything. And it was, I guess, you know, obviously skin cancer is real. My dad had it and, 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 you know, wrinkles are real too. But they, I feel like they always missed out on so much stuff because they wouldn't do it. I feel like there's a lot of people that forego doing some things just because they're afraid that, you know, having that one drink or having that one artificial thing to eat is going to just completely mess up their lives. And I'm just not one of them. I feel like you got to live life while you have it, because guess what? If I, if you don't, maybe it'll be over. I don't know. That's true. You never know when life's going to be over. But um, 
I think moderation is good, which is kind of what you're alluding to. I think certain things like skin cancer, I mean, fortunately we have sunscreen and, you know, sun protection and you could, you could still not miss out on majority of your life and, and yet be relatively safe. And then I think maybe the wrinkles is a better example. Like if you get wrinkles, who cares? Right. But, um, I mean, I think you hit the nail by its horn. You, (laughs) you, I think you hit the nail on the head. There, that's it. You You got it. Hit the nail on the head. It's important to do everything in moderation or, you know, you got to set some boundaries, but you can't just miss out on life. Yeah. So that answers our question for today's topic. Running is awesome. Everybody keep running. (laughs) (laughs) And since we still have a little bit of time left, I wanted to talk about some other myths since we're... Say myths 10 times fast. Myths, I can't say that word. We're going to talk about some other misconceptions about the sport of running. And uh, that's just because I feel like doing some more myth busting. So what's the myth? So I have a myth that is you should stretch before running. That one has been debunked by... Well, debunked and received probably better by many people. Um, static stretching is not good. Because you can overstretch your muscles that are not warmed up. Instead, get your blood flowing and warm up with some dynamic stretches, which is like, you know, high knees, butt kicks, leg swings, things of that nature. And stretching is not necessarily bad for you. It's just that, like, it's not that before it was thought you stretch before an activity to prevent injury. And that has not been shown to be true. I mean, I think stretching... It can cause injury. It can cause injury, exactly. And the thing, I think part of the reason was of that too was reasoning behind that was most of the injuries don't happen at the extremes of range of motion, whereas stretching, you're trying to increase your range of motion. And so that didn't make a lot of sense. And then it seems like the more research they did showed that it, it's, it's not really doing the benefit that they thought it was. But if you want to stretch just because it feels good at a different time, just take it easy and don't injure yourself. It's perfectly fine. Exactly. So another myth is, taking a few days off will hurt your fitness. We actually kind of talked about this, what was it, the last podcast or before? I think we just talked about it between you and me last week. Hey, well, that's because you broke your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, there is, um, I mean, if you take too many days off, yeah, your training is not going to be as good. But the point was, is like, you know, you need some rest in there too for your body to recuperate and to regenerate stuff too, but... Yes. So studies have shown that there's very little decrease in your VO2 max in the first 10 days of inactivity as an athlete. If you need a rest day, go ahead and take it. The next myth I want to mention is potassium. Potassium will prevent cramping. That has been debunked. We have debunked it on a podcast before in our very first year of podcasting. There is really no scientific proof that not taking potassium during your run will cause muscle cramps. Electrolytes are probably still good at running if you're running long distances and you're losing a lot. But but yeah, it's it's interesting that it's not like, you know, that's the old myth you always hear, you know, have a banana or eat a lot of potassium because you're cramping. Yeah. So in a nutshell, they're saying that cramping probably has more to do with not training properly and subsequent muscle fatigue. The body's also really good at regulating itself. So like electrolytes getting out of balance is usually more of like a core issue, not just because you're running. Exactly. 
So moving on to the next myth, barefoot running is good for you or barefoot running is not good for you. We all know in the early 2010s, the Vibram Five Finger Shoe came out, which is supposed to be a minimalist shoe. And a lot of people started barefoot running because we were reading the books Born to Run, where people run around in Mexico without shoes on, and they can do it so well. And we're all jumping on the train thinking less is more. And then the Hoka shoes came out, where like, oh, more is better because there's more cushion. And there have been studies that, uh, whatever you do with your shoes, you wear some, you don't. It has too many other factors that this conclusion depends on your type of foot. If you have a, a flat foot or whatever that's called in English or a high arch or the type of running you do, the build up, the goal. Are you running fast? Are you running slow? Are you running ultras? Are you running terrain or street? So there's a lot of, Uh, dependent factors on whether or not barefoot running is or is not good for you. So don't pick one or the other. It's, it's a, uh, the answer is it depends. I think that the myth initially was that you, you know, it's kind of like with the knee thing where you run too much and your knees just fall apart. It's like, if you ran barefoot, you would just like destroy everything. And <laughs> the reality is that it's not the case, but there are reasons you know, a cushioning shoe might just be more comfortable too than running on hard pavement on your bare feet. So, Especially when you're putting in a lot of miles. And Ryan, did you know that they used to say women couldn't run marathons because at one point your uterus would fall out? Has your uterus fallen out yet? It has not. But during races, I have seen signs on the side of the road that say, this is a place where your uterus is supposed to fall out. <laughs> And then, and then in like, you know, 50 years from now, people will be listening to the podcast and be like, oh my gosh, they were talking about this stuff. <laughs> they were so wrong. <laughs> so you never know. Never know. At least seems to be more logical now than it had been in the past, but maybe we're doing, saying some weird stuff too. <laughs> so what's your next myth? So I found one, no, two more, two more. Runners don't need strength training. I'm paying attention to that one now because I'm learning about muscle balance. If you want to improve your running, you should focus not only on running, but also strength training because you're recruiting different type of muscle fiber and all that. And, um, you know, we're going to actually have a podcast on that in a couple of weeks. I have a guest to talk to us about the importance of muscle balance and all that. So the last myth that we have on here is the Boston jacket myth. Wearing the Boston jacket before running and completing your Boston marathon is going to give you bad juju. True or false? All right, I can help you with this one. My brain is too scientific oriented. <laughs> so it's not true, guys. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then go ahead and do it. Me, I will be ordering the Boston jacket just because... I'm really planning on running this race because I'm injured. I'm going to use it as a motivator and I'm going to wear it every night when I walk the dog and kind of get myself into the Boston mode. I will crawl that race on four knees. I mean, two knees if I have to on all fours. When you do travel to Boston, you'll see a lot of people at your airport wearing that jacket already. And I'm definitely going to be one of them. But you do you. So you're going to try to disprove the myth. Yes. Well, if I don't finish it, then maybe it was because I wore the jacket before. 
please, listeners, if you are going to Boston, let me know. You can, I guess, just send me a message through Instagram. We're at running podcast because everything else, Apple and stuff, it takes me forever to find these messages. So at running podcast is the way to message us. And anything else from you, Ryan? Any other myth do you want to bust? <laughs> Not off the top of my head. I think we covered a decent number. I'm sure there's plenty more we yeah. could do at a later date. All right. So with that. Have a happy week of running. <laughs>